Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Headcase. I'm here with Krisha Holcomb. She is a mental health educator and personal development coach. And I have been following you for a while on Instagram, and I wanted to reach out to you because I think you're doing such incredible things, and I really had to get you on my show. So thank you for coming Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This Um, is awesome. It's so great. So just tell me a little bit about how you got started in this field. Yes. So um, just, well, I guess it's not normal really for people to start with their age, but I'm 29 years old. So I've been on this like personal healing journey for about, I guess, a decade now. Um, So it Mm -hmm. started as a freshman in um, college and um, long story short, I'm the, I was the oldest of eight kids in my household. Um, I had seen a lot of trauma and addiction and a bunch of different things that um, I want to say most kids don't see, but there actually probably are a lot of kids who are kind of exposed to a lot of dysfunctional things. Um, but yeah. it didn't really manifest for me into um, a mental health thing until I was in a different environment, um, you know, around other people and seeing like how they were raised and like, you know, what was expected in quote unquote the real world just kind of navigating that developmental um, transition into being an adult and like just being isolated and away from my siblings and family for the first time as a um, first generation college graduate. So I also had literally no idea like what to expect in a college setting. So it was like moving day, me and my cousins and my aunt and my cousins drove me up to the campus and we were just all confused because there were, like, family festivities going on. And we were like, oh, what's that over there? Like, we just had no yeah. idea what to expect <laughs> because nobody in my family right. had had that experience before. Um, but, yeah, I don't want to get too long-winded on it because it's a lot. But the short version was I kind of had, I guess, a quarter-life crisis maybe um, where it was mm-hmm. just the normal questions at that age. Were like, what am I going to do with my life? Um, do I major in something that makes me money or what I'm passionate about? I just had no blueprint at all, so I felt extra right. lost and confused during that time. So that manifested in, like, depression and anxiety. And for the first couple of years, uh, it wasn't diagnosed at all. I just knew, like, I'm in a very low mood. I'm, like, kind of barely – and I'm very high-functioning as well. So it was hard for people to know because my grades were still good, but um, my mind was just not in a good place. And right. so I ended up um, doing Teach for America straight out of – undergrad because I was an English major sociology minor and I was like what do you do with this degree I just love to write and I was like well I can't really be a struggling writer. I just did not know what to do with an English degree so I ended up right. um, one of my friends actually recommended Teach for America um, I was accepted and working with those um, children and like they put you in really disenfranchised and you know basically academically underperforming schools Um, Being back in that environment, which mirrored, you know, the environments I had grown up in, actually, like, severely triggered me, Um, just seeing how horrible, like, the conditions in the school were. Like, I I was blessed enough where my school district, even though I lived in the hood or the projects of my city, I was still, you know, they had us mixed up a little bit. So I was still going to school with, like, you know, people who lived in affluent areas and have that diversity there. But in these schools and Teach for America, it was just 
pure, like everybody was impoverished. The school was almost like 100% black, which I had never seen before. <laughs> like every other race apparently was in like private schools because the conditions were just so like unacceptable. And um, so that really just opened my eyes to like the socioeconomic disparities and I became super depressed. And to for the first time, it was a level where I was like becoming impaired, like I was not able to do my job. So I would be, um, as a teacher, like sitting in my car, like crying some days before I could even go into the building. And I was like, this is Mm. not sustainable. I cannot do this. Um, Just because I felt so bad for about everything that was going on. And it was a really helpless um, position to be in. And so from there, I kind of, I'm sorry, go ahead. (laughs) No, I'm I'm agreeing. Oh, okay. I just realized I skipped the part. So I'm going to rerun really quickly. So my senior year, before the Teach for America acceptance, I actually reached a point where I basically felt suicidal. So I don't know where I even got the idea from to go see a therapist because nobody in my family or anybody that I knew had ever done that before. But I was like, huh, maybe I had seen a Lifetime movie or something. And I was like, huh, when people want to kill themselves, I think they go to like a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Like there's so many different disciplines. I had no idea, but I was like, I got to go find one of those people you talk to when you want to kill yourself. So so I I did that as a senior (laughs) and um, that was my first experience. And it kind of was like a wake up call for me because I was in such a bad place. And I I spoke with a psychologist, um, which is a trained helping professional who has a doctorate degree and, um, you know, they basically wanted to prescribe me uh, antidepressant. And they were like, yeah, it may take two months for this to kick in. And at that point, I was like, I don't have two months because I kind of want to die, like, right now. And so, yeah. like, as he's talking, like, as he's talking to me, I'm like, that's not going to work. And so I literally had to right. make the choice, like, okay, there's no magic pill that's just going to make me be okay. So am I going to live or am I going to die? And, you know, thankfully, I chose, like, I'm going to keep living but it was a kind of sobering moment where it was like, there's no quick fix for this. And so with the teaching experience, I kind of circled back to going to a counselor because I was depressed and because I was like basically reevaluating again, what career am I going to follow? And um, so seeing that counselor and both of these uh, professionals were black men, actually. Um, I was like, wow, this is actually a really cool job that they have where they're like helping me. We're talking. And I had yeah. that same relationship, like, with my students um, because they would kind of, you know, eat lunch with me, try to speak with me before class, and I learned more about their lives and things like that that way. So then I was like, what career is that where, you know, you, people talk to you about their problems and you help them? And so yeah. literally from there, like, honestly, in the midst of my <laughs> own, like, depression, I was like, I want to be one of those people that talks to depressed people or sad people and, like, help them feel better. And I, from there, I just applied to grad school and, like, very quickly um, got into doing, um, you know, studying it. And at the time, I honestly didn't think I would ever reach the point where I worked in the field. It was kind of more so like for my own survival, I was like, I want to learn the skills that these people have that help them to keep other people alive. And I'm going to use it on myself to keep myself, (laughs) to keep myself alive. And like, that's a good mentality. Yeah. I thought it was pretty clever. So, yeah, yeah, that's basically how I got into it. Yeah. And, and like, like, honestly, when I graduated, I was like, whoa, am I really a therapist or a counselor? Like, what is this? But And I didn't really want to work in the field, to be honest. It really was, like, just for my own, like, knowledge bank, um, which goes into right. a whole other scenario of where I just feel like these are things that we should be getting taught at an early age. But I never was taught these things. And basically, 
I went to I went to school to learn about it, to learn like what are these feelings? How do I, you know, cope? Right. That's so interesting. They really should teach that in school mm-hmm. from such a young age. I feel like it's just how to deal with your own emotions. Right. It will solve so many issues, but yeah. <laughs> do you think that uh because you were triggered in going and teaching and before like this whole incident when you had to get seek therapy do you think it was because you were functioning at a high level with the anxiety and depression and hadn't really addressed it do you think that's why it sort of came back harder the next yes it was super hard and actually um that was a really great question because it reminded me um so actually the most therapeutic experience I ever had in my life like beyond even seeing a psychologist for the first time as a senior um, was actually the Teach for America orientation process because they mm-hmm. really kind of crammed a lot of, like, storytelling, like, what's your why? Like, you kind of had to unpack your whole life um, and, you know, evaluate these different concepts like privilege and, you know, poverty and all these things because they wanted us to be clear about the reason we weren't to be teachers in these communities. And I thought I was clear about it, but when they actually had us, you know, do these really like honestly almost like art therapy <laughs> it was it was really yeah. good actually um so they had us like do things like you know draw out like a map of our entire lives and things like that so that was therapeutic to me in a way that I had never been exposed to before and like actually telling my story out loud to a group of you know other teachers in training I began like boohoo crying and I mean a lot of people were crying so I didn't feel super weird about it but I'm not really a crier <laughs> so I was like whoa right. and like when I started crying it was one of those things like yeah I needed to cry for like 10 years now and it's all coming out right now <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so that exposed me to the power of like actual talk therapy like I had never spoken to anybody about just how oppressed I had felt or like my upbringing or like race right. or like you know, poverty and all these things, I had never spoken about it. And just like being the oldest of eight in my household, like how difficult my journey had been. And so um, it definitely all came out like during that orientation process, basically. And it was kind of like, I felt (laughs) I was wide open after that. And just (laughs) and like, just trying to basically are open. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's what it felt like. I was like, Oh, no, I got to get something back closed. Like I'm falling apart here. (laughs) but in a way you learn so much about yourself yes so necessary yes and like I said I'm so grateful for that experience and a lot of our worst experiences for most people like and you know just from a spiritual lens or whatever like everything works for you know you're good eventually if you choose to look back at it that way absolutely so what did your family say when you got into this field, being that they, no one had ever been in therapy and you know, right. they hadn't had the college experience and all of that? Like, what, right. were they, what was their thoughts on it? Yeah, so let's see. When I did the therapy, so when I did the teacher thing, nobody was surprised. They were like, oh, she's smart. Yay, good. When I did the therapy mm-hmm. thing, they were kind of like, where did you learn that from? Like, black people don't do, like, you know, black people don't go to therapy. Like, huh? What are you going to do with that? Like, and, um, you know, I kind of explained a little bit to them about, you know, speaking with the students and, like, the things that had motivated, motivated me to go into it. And then in some ways, it was kind of almost self-explanatory because our, my whole family, like, we had so much, so many different serious things going on. Like I said, we had addiction, cycles of addictions for generations, abuse. 
like just all kinds of things. And so it kind of, I think, made some people uncomfortable because it was almost like, huh, did we, you know, how, you know, how she was raised kind of made her go down this track of like wanting to help people who, are, you know, have a lot of things going on. Um, and it kind of highlighted, yeah. you know, there were still people in my family who were actively still addicted to substances, like even as I, like even right now, actually. But so, and I had always been kind of that mediator person, which was another thing that, you know, kind of made me feel like um, being a therapist was a part of my calling. So, you know, whether it was yeah. friends or family, like everybody, even though I was like younger than a lot of people in my family, like people were coming to me as the voice of reason or to get advice right. to vent. And so it didn't really change. I even, I more so felt like, oh, they're getting free therapy sessions out of me because I'm actually yeah. qualified to do this. <laughs> exactly. You kind of just found your calling naturally. Yeah, definitely. So, so yeah. What, yeah. So what do you think? I mean, in set, you, you mentioned like your family said, you know, black people don't go to therapy and things like that. Mm-hmm. Why? why are these stigmas do you think reinforced and like, why are they, or why do they exist at all within the black community? Because they already exist overall in the mental health world. Yeah. But definitely. why do you think particularly in the black community? Yeah, that's a really good question. And now, now I'm wondering, I know there's a probably a really good answer, but I'll just combine like everything that's coming to my mind. But um, I do think it's like, a, it's a, it's a big, mountain of things um so like some of the first things coming to my mind is just um and I will say though nowadays it's becoming a lot more taboo it's almost like a movement of like black mental health professionals um and now we're starting to see it on tv shows like black people going to therapy Mm -hmm. so it's a lot better now than when I started um in the field um but I would say you know it was just kind of like a so on a I guess a socioeconomic level um, it can yeah. come even back to like some of us not having like insurance or, um, you know, things like that. So it just seemed like something that was out of reach for us or not made for us. Like we were seeing mm-hmm. therapy on TV. Like I said, when I saw like, all I can think about is like a lifetime movie or something. <laughs> Cause I would watch yeah. really dramatic lifetime <laughs> movies and it was like, you know, you know, girls were cutting themselves and stuff like that. And then I, you know, we right. had this image in our mind of like, oh, therapy is a white person laying on the couch and they're talking to another white person who's like speaking in a very calm voice. Like that was how we conceptualized therapy. And like, I, we hadn't right. seen it. <laughs> we hadn't seen it with people like who looked like us doing it or receiving it really, um, I guess, yep. in the media. So that was a, probably a big part of it. And like, I think, um, whenever it was something that occurred, it was almost like a very negative lens to it. So I knew people who like maybe, you know, maybe they had an encounter with law enforcement. So they were forced to do like some type of like AA class or something like that. So it kind of just was something that people kept on the hush. Um, and I feel like some in some communities, like self-medication was so common or Mm-hmm. It just wasn't something that it seems like, oh, you need help for that. It was kind of the thing you do when you're stressed out. Like, oh, let me go get a 40 and let me, you know, you yeah. know do this. And almost like a lot of toxic things were normalized. Like I said, I can't speak to that. I'm sure it occurs in other households and different, you know, um, races or groups or whatever. But with us, it was like everything from domestic violence. Everybody was just hush, hush about everything and like just accepted it most of the time. 
So um, it was about that with mental health. Like you didn't want other people calling you crazy or gossiping about you or saying, oh, that person goes to, you know, you know, like they got to talk to somebody. And, you know, there's just so many stereotypes with like the pills or, you know, like people are like, oh, they need medicine. Something's wrong with them. So like you said, those normal taboos, but like just magnify almost because we didn't really see ourselves represented in those populations that were receiving like that kind of treatment. But mind you, like I said, it really is a cultural thing too, because drinking is cool and smoking weed is cool, but taking an antidepressant is like, whoa, this person can't control themselves. There's something wrong here. (laughs) Like, so like that type of thing too. Afraid to be like labeled as crazy or this and that. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it's like, if if it is like these socioeconomic issues and those are Mm -hmm. the daily stresses that people have to deal Mm -hmm. with and then, they kind of say, okay, well, my anxiety or me feeling down is like the least mm-hmm. of my problems and I can just deal exactly. with it. Exactly. So I, I think so many yeah. people had to just get by, like you said, that socioeconomic piece. It was kind of like, I can't afford to, like, and this is like things I've heard, like as a therapist, when I've had patients and I've like tried to refer them to inpatient facilities and it's like, I cannot right. afford to not work for two or three weeks. Like my family will be evicted. So it was almost like they were forced into quick fixes where it was like, it's easier for me to calm my nerves or relax by drinking alcohol or, you know, doing this substance. So this is going to give me energy or this is going to help me sleep. It was kind of like, we're going to do what we have to do day by day to get by. And we can't even really think about our wellness in the long term because we can't afford to do that, which is really sad. Yeah. That's really, it's awful. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. And do you think a lot of it also is like, like you said, maybe they don't always understand because you're educating people on mental health right. now. And I'm sure like so many people come yeah. to you with questions and like mm-hmm. just concerns about what's going on in their own head and everything. And mm-hmm. there is that stigma in every community where people think, you know, mm-hmm. if you're sick, like it's, it's on the, it's, you know, you, you have a cough, you, you're have a mm-hmm. stomach bug or you have like right. a disease or you mm-hmm. break a leg or something. It's more external and right. physical. So how do you explain to someone like a kid in school or anyone mm-hmm. who comes to you, like, what do you do to educate them? Yeah. So uh, that's a really great question. So I kind of depending on, you know, and sometimes it's funny <laughs> Because, like, as a young therapist, I was, like, often um, counseling people who were, like, older than me. And they would always be, like, right. what do you know about life? But you think you about to tell me something. But I would, yeah. like, you know, I, <laughs> like, I would, like, sometimes use, like, these very, like, rudimentary, like, almost, like, um, you know, I, I would break it all the way down as if I was talking to a kid sometimes or, like, using really fun or, like, relevant, culturally relevant examples that could help make it make sense to them because, most normal people don't want to feel like, um, you know, they don't want to hear the scientific explanation immediately. Like they don't want to feel like, you know, I don't know. I, I was able to yeah. build rapport honestly by like being myself and like just respecting the culture of like whoever I was talking to. So um, I would explain it basically. I would even bring up, you know, the example you just gave, like we, we have these physical illnesses that we're so quick to accommodate you know, like if you have a broken right. arm, you're not about to be walking around with your arm flopping around, but we'll sit right. here and walk around every day <laughs> with our, our brain and our mind and our emotions in shambles. 
And so, you know, it really would depend on the context of like what their presenting problem was. And I would try to connect it to that. But, you know, if it was somebody who was depressed because they had like a bunch of like childhood trauma that had never been um, addressed, I would try to make it like fun or contextual and say, you know, do things like, I would sometimes actually have, like, physical objects in my office. Like, I would have a random right. soda bottle. I don't even drink soda. I might have a soda bottle and shake the soda bottle up and show them, like, this is what's happening inside of your body. And, like, when you put the, keep the cap on it, you have all this energy and emotion that's not coming out, and it's really still impacting your body in the way you feel. And, like, I would just use a lot of different types of metaphors to help them um, feel comfortable and like just get used to the power of talking to somebody because I heard over and over again that so many people just felt like they didn't have that person they could talk to about things or, you know, they were afraid of people judging them. And it's like, what yeah. you find out is everybody literally feels that way. Everybody feels like they don't have somebody, somebody to talk to. Absolutely. And like really normalizing it that way and like having these conversations out loud. So even with the therapy is like platform. Like, you know, we're just talking about it on social media like it's regular because it is. Um, we just need to talk about it enough that, you know, people are like, oh, this is all around. Like, everybody's going through this. You can see other people yeah. commenting or, you know, it, it just makes people feel better in community to know that, you know, they're not alone how they feel. You need other Black leaders and mental health advocates to be the face for them, too, because... yeah. You know, like you said, like the Lifetime movies, like mm-hmm. a white man sitting on a couch <laughs> while you're the white person is laying on the bed. And, yeah, you know, just like it's very stigma. That's very it's, it's such a stereotyped thing. But it is. It is helpful having, you know, a black person go to a black therapist rather than so a white therapist if they're dealing with issues within their own black community they want someone that right. they can relate to and who mm-hmm. can you know understand where they came from and what what right. they're dealing with absolutely I definitely agree and I will say I've had because I know with my experience um I did seek out people who look like me just because I didn't want the added um I didn't want the added responsibility, I guess, of having to translate something culturally. Like, I just wanted somebody who I felt like, okay, they're going to get it. But I've also had phenomenal, yeah. I had like a phenomenal white male therapist when I was um, in grad school. And he offered like a perspective that I didn't get from, you know, people who looked like me. So I, I'm always so pro, like, just like, you know, like almost like <laughs> testing out different types of therapists, like seeing what works for you. Shoot, yeah. Even having multiple therapists at once if you're able to. Because everybody has, oh, like, a perspective absolutely. that they're able to offer. And um, but I do so agree with yeah, Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I completely agree. There's Because there's so many different kinds of therapy and their they methods. Are. They're all different, too. Yes. So it is good to get a perspective from so many different yeah. people. It is. It's really – and I, I just – like I said, I'm just so pro-therapy. And, I've, um, like, like you said, there is power in seeing somebody who looks like you – you know, going through things that you can relate to. So, and I think one of my most powerful tools as a mental health advocate and educator has been like my self-disclosure. And that's something I would do, you know, when appropriate with my clients and patients as well, because I feel like, um, you know, one thing that people have given me as far as like positive feedback on my brand is like, I'm a normal person. Like I don't try to carry myself like some pompous like expert that is going to just tell you everything you need to be doing with your life. Like I'm going to tell you about what I went through and like what, how I know what I'm talking about. Um, and, you know, really try to relate to you. So I would do that with my, 
um, clients and patients, and that's how we were able to build a really strong rapport because I'm not just going to talk to you about depression like there's something wrong with you. I'm going to tell you about, you know, I felt that way too. There are a lot of people who have felt that way. Like these are normal feelings given the circumstances of, of like what you've been through. So um, that's helped me a lot as a, you know, in this role. Right. You gain the trust of the person and instead mm-hmm. of, you know, shouting facts at them. Right. Kind of, <laughs> it, you build like that back and forth where they can Definitely. feel related to and understood. That's awesome. Right. Yeah. Cause I know one thing so, I've learned is people do not like being judged. <laughs> That's across the board. <laughs> like, right. They do not like feeling like somebody is judging them. That's like the big, I think that's one of everyone's biggest fears is to be judged mm-hmm. yeah. in a negative way. Um, right. So what have you, what have you done during this quarantine? I mean, this has been such a crazy time. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Mental illness. <laughs> It has what have been, you done? and honestly, yeah, yeah it's what have you done super, or like, and to help people, I'm, both, I guess. Oh, so, I mean, honestly, I don't know, I feel like, I feel like what I do doesn't really change, and like, maybe that's how I've been able to like, get through this, like, like I said, I've always been like a really high functioning person under stress, which, you know, it's not necessarily a badge of honor, but it just is like a resilience that developed due to my upbringing. So, like, whenever yeah. things are in chaos, like, like whenever things are in chaos or fear, like, I'm used to that because I've been in addiction treatment for three years. Like, every day there was a crisis, like, all day long. So, this is yeah. literally, like, normal to me to, for people to be like, oh, where am I going to live? Or I'm sick. Or, this. like, these are, you know, everyday problems that I feel like um, have been exacerbated by just the fear of the yeah. unknown of this being on such a, like, broad scale for a lot of people. And so I resorted to doing what I always do, which is like, you know, trying to establish some normalcy, trying to, you know, bring some positive psychology and reframing into it, um, you know, reminding people of what we can do that is in that control, sharing resources. Um, and so it kind of just made me step back up into that role I've, I've been used to being in. Um, and then I would yeah. say I definitely had to, you know, boost my self-care because I get so into it. Um, I just, I almost have, I guess it's a superwoman complex where I'm like, oh, I got to get out more resources. I got to make more, you know, graphics. I got to do this. Right. So I've had to, I've had to, you know, remind myself like, okay, put your phone over there. Yeah. Um, stop reading, just sit down, watch a TV show. Um, yeah, like, but yeah, I've been productive the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to take a break when you, you just, you have all that energy in you yeah, and you really definitely. need to, but it's yeah. true. You have to prioritize yourself exactly. in order to help anyone else so exactly you have to practice what you preach like, I can't tell everybody yeah. else oh yeah relax and I'm sitting here burning myself out so it's <laughs> definitely one of those yeah things. and and during like an uncertain time like the virus when it's like you know as much as everyone else knows it's not like you're mm-hmm. you have some information on when it's gonna end right <laughs> exactly so if people reach out to you and or like, I don't know what to do with myself. I don't know when it's going to end. Yeah. You're kind of like, yeah, well, we don't, we don't know, but like, these are things you can do every day. To exactly. Exactly. Down. Exactly. And like I said, it's almost like, I almost feel like it's weird to say, like, I have a struggle privilege. Like I've had dealt with struggle my whole life, like in my personal yeah. life and like just trying to, you know, reach a different socioeconomic class, starting with nothing. 
So, like, I think right. my struggle privilege has been a super benefit because, like I said, this is what I'm used to. Like, when they're, when they're out of toilet tissue, like, we've been out of toilet tissue. Like, we couldn't afford yeah, toilet like, tissue <laughs> at some point. Like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, you got to get creative. So, like, I'm used to this. Like, there's nothing that has yeah. occurred that is, that, like, abnormal to me. It's like, this is what it looks like when you're growing up with scarce resources And, like, for some people, when you're living check to check, like, it didn't have to be a pandemic for you to be like, how am I going to pay my rent this month? Um, Which is, like like I said, that's a whole other topic. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I think it's, you know, it's just highlighting it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is sad. In a way, it's it's good that people had to experience that in order to, Mm -hmm. you know, see, like, this is what people go through on a daily basis. Absolutely. And how people have to start and how, right. and you, it even shows like how people have these different starting points in life, just based on mm-hmm. race alone, even, or economic, socioeconomic status. And, right. and so it is interesting because, you know, you say like, this is, you're almost like calm in the chaos because you, yes. are used to it. <laughs> like you, mm-hmm. you're like, Oh, I've been there. I've done that. Like, <laughs> that's just another day yeah. for you. So you, Definitely. you get it. And so yeah. you're like the perfect person to be in the mental health world. And I know exactly. And I mean, it's a gift and a curse because one thing I did right. learn, which is why, like, as I explained, I call myself a former therapist. Now I might go back to that label, but I prefer being like a mental health educator right now. Yeah. Um, and like just a personal development coach because I did realize, like, being deeply immersed in these clinical healthcare settings that I'm an empath and, um, you know, Mm -hmm. apparently, you know, I just feel things really deeply because I care about people. So I was at a very higher risk of, like, compassion fatigue. And I've seen a lot of professionals already who were, like, super burnt out and they're almost, like, (laughs) doing harm to the people they're talking to because they're not even... Um, you know, taking care right. of themselves that are being spread so thin with all these crises and like people in trauma. And I didn't honestly, I did not want that to happen to me. So I had to reel back a little bit and like redirect myself um, and like move a little bit I into a different direction. Yeah. <laughs> that's really mm-hmm. smart because if you are an empath and you're constantly, you know, if you, if mm-hmm. you want things to affect you in order to help someone and, you know, let right. things change, but also you don't want them to affect you too much where you can't exactly you can't do your own job so that's exactly that's really insightful yeah right so I I had to reel it back so I just have to be aware of my own boundaries with that exactly like boundaries are so important and Mm -hmm. um and very key to in work and relationships alone so that's really Mm -hmm. so in talking about relationships um how Mm -hmm. has that been for you dealing with all of this like just the dating world I like to ask you a question <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny I'm like ooh juicy nah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you are so busy so, and you know and like, I know I can see sometimes so, like for me personally even you know like mm-hmm. when you're well versed in mental health and mm-hmm. in just and understanding your own brain can be yeah. like intimidating kind of people so it I'm so curious. can oh my goodness yeah. <laughs> dating for me has been so interesting like if you saw the group chat yeah. that I have with my friends um it should be somebody's <laughs> show because it's hilarious but I definitely agree with what you're saying um 
like, you know, of course you have the people who are like, oh, are you psychoanalyzing me? And it's like, um, maybe, right. but that's not me. <laughs> like, it's, I guess I have that skill set to do that. So it does make it, like, I've dealt with, I've dated, I was in a long-term relationship um, mm-hmm. that's been over for maybe about a, a little bit over a year. Um, and so I actually learned a lot about myself and relationships through that, even though it didn't work out, obviously. Um, yeah. And so now when I was reintroduced to dating, I've, I had like just every experience imaginable <laughs> and it really, and this is like, you know, I have my degrees and I'm, you know, I've started my career. So I'm like, you right. know, looking to settle down. And so I was looking at people or dating people where on paper, we were going to be a perfect match. You know, I was, I've dated doctoral candidates and it's like, Oh yeah, let me, you know, I'll be some doctor's wife or, you know, <laughs> yeah. but I was like, they were lacking those things that I knew that I wanted in a relationship. Like they weren't, yeah. Um, attentive, or they were kind of self-absorbed, or they're so focused about their research that they haven't asked me about my day type of thing. And then I've also, right. I, I'll, I'll be honest, I feel like my friends tell me I'm a very lenient dater. Like, as long as I'm attracted to you, like, I don't really care too much about those things that are on paper. Uh, maybe it's right. just a chemistry thing, because um, I have dated guys who do not have a college degree or just have, like, some college, and I have two degrees, which has been a big thing, I guess. Um, cause some men are intimidated by that and they'll kind of try to overcompensate in other yeah. ways. And it's like, nope, that's not going to work. Like I met, like I recently, <laughs> um, before I was in the relationship I'm in now, I had a guy, you know, he was like literally texting me like articles about him. And I'm like, okay. It felt like, it was almost like he felt like he needed to impress me, but I'm yeah. honestly, I'm very quiet about like what I do and like my projects because I don't want a relationship that's built on that. I don't want somebody who's into me because of you know, like what they think I can do or, you know, right. like, I don't know. I want somebody who actually like, cares about me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think, yeah, like, and I think with the pandemic, like whenever I get like relationship questions for people who are mm-hmm. single, I personally think this is a great time to be getting to know somebody, whether you're on a website or an app, like you have the perfect excuse not to meet up with them in person. So you can really just take right. your time getting to know them. <laughs> like, um, yeah. and I think when you build that strong foundation um, and really ask those important questions and get intentional about what you want, um, that's the, that's what's going to help it last. Because I think a lot of relationships is so they're so built on like instant gratification and physical attraction, like these really shallow and superficial things that are going to fizzle out, and which is why probably the divorce rate is so high. Um, but when you really yeah. get to know somebody and, like, build that friendship and, like, you know, just have this holistic connection with them, um, you'll be able to adapt better to the ways that both of you are going to change. So, um, for me, honestly, I feel very optimistic about my, like, I'm in a relationship now. It's still kind of new, but I I've just I just have so much knowledge from, like, what I've been through and, like, speaking to other people that I know, like, what I would tolerate and what I won't tolerate or, like, what's settling and what's not settling. And it's almost like that 80-20 rule. Um, yeah. <laughs> movie. Like, I, I feel like that's the best dating advice I've ever heard because we really are looking for so a perfect true. person sometimes. Yeah, and, like, and we think even if you're in a relationship with somebody, it's so easy to focus on, like, the few things that you don't like about them or that they do that get on your nerves. But, like, if you have yeah. that 80%, you are, like, really blessed out here because these streets are getting rough, so... <laughs> it's like I always keep that in mind I'm like are these are these cons worth the the pros that I get with this person like is this something I could see myself dealing with long term 
Yeah, I mean, that's really true. You definitely want, you want, you don't want to be too hard on the person, but you do want mm-hmm. to see, they have to, you know, mm-hmm. they just, it just has yeah, to be. Yeah, totally It does. Yeah. Especially when you're go with it, too. I think there's a balance. Like, one thing I've learned is I love having a boyfriend who, um, like, supports what I'm doing. Like, I've dated people before who were, like, maybe they were insecure with themselves, and it was almost like they were, I don't want to say jealous, but. Like I said, maybe they have to overcompensate. Like, you have to know who you are and, like, just get somebody mm-hmm. who compliments the type of person you are. Like, I like somebody yeah. who, like, whether it's, like, oh, I read this article, I thought you would really like this, or, like, you know, just the little thoughtful things that are, like, supportive of what I do. Yeah, that shows that they're paying attention and listening Definitely. to you and know, know what's important to you. Absolutely. It is. So... <laughs> So what are some of the projects that you're working on now? Um, oh, let's see. I'm horrible. <laughs> I'm just horrible. I have, like, so I actually have a binder full of ideas. Like, I don't know. I've just always been, like, a dreamer or creative person. So, like, probably, like, five years ago, <laughs> I, like, made a binder of, like, all the like, – I had to get it organized. I'm just always thinking of something. And so it's, yeah. like um, – so, of course, I have a podcast that I'm about to start soon. Um, and it's like I'm one of those people, too. Like, I'll buy courses on things and, like, have 10 books I haven't read yet already. I'm, like, one of those people. Um, oh, so, I just, like, a lot of things are in the oven. <laughs> right. It's like I really have to way. actually take a break. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so, I mean, I think the most immediate thing is... Hmm? No, I'm just. I was just gonna say that's good though. You're the you're yeah. ambitious all the time. So yeah, that's, I am. That's something you don't want to lose. It does like a gift and a curse. But I mean, it helps me tonight. I don't know. I feel like I'm. A, I don't know. I'm easily bored. I like. I just like new things. Well, I don't want to keep yeah. doing the same thing over and over. I'm like, how can I change this? How can I spice it up? What's something new I can learn? Like, I'm just a lifelong learner type of person. So I definitely yeah. I want to learn more about photography and start doing that. And then it also uh, goes into my upbringing, too. Like, I am on the, I do want to be able to take care of my family, and I have a large family. So now I'm thinking right. about ways where I can combine, like, what I'm passionate about and also monetize those things because I do want to love what I do for work without, like, burning myself out. And, you know, from books that I've read, the best way to do that is, like, multiple income streams. So I think that's kind of why I have my Absolutely. fingers in so many different things right now. And I'm like, okay, which one of these is going to be – like a moneymaker and which one of these is like my self-care project. So that's kind of what I'm doing now. I'm, I, I'm like literally the same way. Me. I'm, I'm exactly the same way. Like I feel like I have my fingers <laughs> in so many things and it is true. It's like you have all these interests, you want to try all these new things, but you also mm-hmm. want to stay kind of true to yourself at the same time. Exactly learn about all these things. Right. And for some reason they all kind of come together at some point. Yeah. So I feel like, like I know, you mentioned writing is like one of your biggest passions. Yeah, you, so, I love And that's like something you can do anywhere all the time. Exactly. So that's awesome. Yeah. I like when people get it. Like, you get it. I know you get it. <laughs> yeah, I get yeah. it. I fully get it. <laughs> it's like, I know. I feel like every other day I'm like telling my friends, oh, I'm, I'm actually doing this right now or I'm doing this. Like, I'm currently, I'm currently back in school and I, oh, yeah. already, I, like I'm, I took a couple of, like I already graduated college, but I took years off and now I'm back in school again. Mm-hmm. And yes. while everyone 
has like a there is that their same job or whatever and I'm yeah like no nope, cool <laughs> have more to do oh yeah we're tangent spirits for sure I'm I literally was yesterday on my to-do list I'm like what program I'm about to go back to school I'm like (laughs) there's just so many people don't realize how many resources there are online in classes Mm -hmm. online for free there are yes you can get that I'm like oh my god there's so many options there are I'm, I'm so overwhelmed I probably have like 30 different types of classes like some free I still haven't watched them yet, but I'm totally going to. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So, is any or is there anything like down the road that you know that you want to do? Like, hmm. I mean, I think when I because I yeah, I, I know think you published, you published a book, right? Like a poetry. Book. I did, and that was like when That's I was in grad so school. Cool. <laughs> thank you like so and that cool. was it's it's like such a weird thing because it was almost like a um I don't know what to call it but it's kind of one of those things like if I died tomorrow like what do I want to have done and like that book was it so it was a little bit rushed and like that's definitely on my goal hopefully in the near future like within the next year or so to like like republish like a more polished like project that I will actually like promote and stuff um, yeah. I think my biggest dream since I was a kid was to be a writer and like a lot of things have like grown and been added to that list but that's like the number one thing and right. um, like just being able to heal people through my words and I do feel like I'm able to do that every day kind of with the um, therapy is like platform like between the captions or, like the art I'm able to post like it just it brings a lot of fulfillment to me personally um, as something yeah. where it's like a creative and writing outlet but also helping other people at the same time. And that's what I would love to do because yeah. to me it's something that's not work. Like I'll be doing my actual job and thinking about, <laughs> and thinking about like what's my caption going right. to be for this or like researching something else. And I'm like, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be working. Like it's just something I would naturally love to do. And I really do want a life where I don't feel like I'm working, but I'm getting paid to do this. So I'm <laughs> asking about it probably dream. right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. like, you Definitely. you want to be able to it like soothes your soul to write and then exactly. you want to soothe other people's souls by reading it so mm-hmm. that's amazing yeah I think yeah something doesn't feel like work it's like that's all you can ask for exactly and it's just so fulfilling to me so I feel like my, I definitely feel like my calling is tied to that because I've had I have people message me like, oh, how did you get so many followers or what are you doing? Like, I haven't paid nobody for no followers. Like, these yep. are organic followers who are, like, drawn to the page by something that was, like, posted or said or whatever the case may be. And it's like, like, you can't, like, that's something that makes me just feel really happy inside. It's like, I'm just being myself. I'm just, like, talking out loud, basically, <laughs> or, like, writing my thoughts down and other people agree with it. Um, and yeah. so I really do see that being tied to like just the way that, you know, just the my service to like, I guess, humanity or my impact or calling is tied to just writing and like people resonating with what I say. Absolutely. So what what's like a piece of advice you would give a little girl who grew up the way you did and in a similar position mm-hmm. who wants to either seek help or go into your field, what would you say to her? Mm. 
So I would say one thing that I honestly didn't do, and I, I don't have any regrets, I guess, because I love the person I am now, and I think I needed every, like, hiccup along the way to even the ones that hurt a lot <laughs> to, like, get me to who I am right. right now. But if I could go back or, like, make it easier for somebody else in a similar situation, I would definitely say, like, get you a mentor as soon as possible because there are so many yeah. professionals who want to, you know, pay it for and, you know, help somebody in their situation to have an easier path than they did. So, you know, just somebody, whether it's you're being able to pick their brain or, like, get a head start yeah. on, like, some resources or specializations, because these fields are so broad. And I was almost, like, any, many, miny mowing my way through every single thing I've done, like, as a Good. college student. <laughs> like, I had no yeah. insight. I had no input. Um, I didn't know anybody doing what I'm doing. Like, even now, like, as I'm building a business and platform, I don't know people doing this. I'm now starting to, like, network and connect with, like, other professionals in the field who see what I'm doing. But I didn't have, like, one person who, like, just laid the template out for me. Um, And I think, like, you know, going through school, like, just making sure you're doing the the most suiting pathway for you. Because, like I said, there are so many different – like, if I could go back, I – um, study like clinical mental health counseling and addictions counseling in graduate yeah. school. But then once I got on the got out into the field, I saw that a lot of jobs had a preference for licensed clinical social workers for some reason. And social work is a different program from um, being a licensed professional counselor. <laughs> and I was like, dang, why right. can't I do the social work program? And it's like because nobody yeah. told you to do that, and you just kind of did whatever you know you felt like doing in the moment, or like whatever you know aligned with the moment and time that you decided to do this but if you like right. already knew somebody you could be like oh what's the what's the best you know what's the best way to go about this and like just make it a little bit easier for yourself and get that exposure whether you're volunteering with them interning with them or they just like let you be a mentor or something that would be what yeah. I would definitely recommend yeah that's great advice but you also you know mm-hmm. you're you're clearly very intuitive and you mm-hmm. did what you thought was best at the time and like there's right no- reason there's no reason to regret that because it led you to where you are right exactly continue to lead you (laughs) I actually get scared sometimes I'm wondering like what if you would have had more like help or like like, one little thing and I would have been doing something completely different so I'm like just really glad for everything that resulted in me doing it how I'm doing it right now (laughs) right right I mean you like even if you didn't go to that therapist and when you mm-hmm. felt suicidal, like you may not exactly. even be around to do anything. Yeah, so, I'm telling you. That's, yeah. That's a blessing for sure. It is. Well, it you have is. an amazing spirit and I definitely Thank think you. we are so do you. spirit. So we are. <laughs> Seriously. We definitely are. Um well thank you. Thank you so much for letting me interview you. It was so amazing. Um, Thank you for we'll caring definitely... about my life. I love it. Like... Oh, totally. <laughs> like, I'm, let's keep in touch for sure. And definitely. everyone needs to follow Therapy is Light on Instagram and check out your, your website. And I'll yes. post everything for you and like list all your contacts so that they can check you out and follow along with your life as well. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Stephanie. This has been Anytime. really fun. Okay, cool. So we'll we'll keep in touch. We will. Now it's time for right, you to get back to work. Time for yourself. <laughs> I will. Hopefully tonight yeah, I'll I'm listen to some relaxation. Time to, like, watch a movie. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you right. again. Take care. It's so nice talking to you. 
right? Likewise. 